Let's turn about this morning to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. And it's already been a blessed day with the Sunday school hour and the music and the fellowship. We look forward to the preaching of the Word of God. And I am excited about what God is doing. God shows us all the time that He is still working. He is still alive. Uh, he is uh, certainly... Uh, we need to be paying attention to what uh, He wants for us to do. So keep praying. Uh, praying for one another. Praying for all the different projects we're focused on. And look forward to seeing what God does in the very, very near future. Acts chapter number 13. As we continue through the book of Acts uh, on Sunday morning and Sunday night, I uh, have not, of course, been going verse by verse, but theme by theme, and just how the Lord leads. And I hope, uh, and I'm sure He have, but I hope that uh, these messages from the book of Acts have been a help to you uh, from what uh, our direction as a church should be and what the Lord might have for us in the future. And so we look again in Acts chapter number 13, and we'll read the first four verses of Acts chapter number 13. I want you to follow along and pay attention. I know it's a little warm in here, but it will cool down. Uh, the door is closed. It'll cool down a little bit, and so I want you to pay close attention. Listen on purpose. Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Uh, much uh, we're going to see in these verses, typically, uh, this, this passage of Scripture, we look at the church at Antioch, and we talk about how the laborers were sent out. Uh, we see that Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul, were uh, set apart, and then sent out uh, to preach the gospel to other regions of the world. And certainly uh, that is a pattern that is set here. But I want us to look a little deeper into this, uh, into this church at Antioch. And this morning I want to preach a message I've entitled, Why the, Why the Church of Antioch Was a Great Church. Why the Church of Antioch Was a Great Church. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you'll help us as we look into the Word of God. We allow the Scripture to be our instructor. We allow the Holy Spirit of God uh, to work in our hearts and lives this morning. And Father, again, I pray that there's one here lost. Uh, if they died right now, they'd die without Your Son. They'd die without forgiveness of their sins. I pray that the Holy Spirit will uh, put them under conviction. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will help them realize their need of salvation. And they'll call in the name of the Lord today. Father, I pray that the Christian will be strengthened this morning. I pray that we'll be challenged from the Word of God as we look at this church that you've recorded in Scripture for us. We ask that you bless our remaining time in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've already mentioned, we see here this example of a church. Uh, the church of Antioch was a great church. It was a church to uh, pattern after. And uh, we find, as we, we preached a few weeks ago, if, you, if we turn back to verse, uh, uh, chapter number 12, uh, or at the end of verse, uh, chapter 11, rather, uh, we see that it was at the Antioch that the, the, the disciples were first called Christians. Not to re-preach that sermon this morning, although I think it's good enough to re-preach, uh, not to re-preach that sermon this morning, 
Uh, but just to remind you and I that just because a believer is a believer, just because you've been saved according to the scriptural definition of a Christian, that don't make you a Christian. I know a lot of saved people who do a lot of unchristian things. But it was at the church of Antioch, are you with me this morning, that the disciples were so much like Christ that they were labeled as Christians. Uh, this was at Antioch. I think that would be a good thing for the Emmanuel Baptist Church to copy, don't you? That we become such uh, dedicated disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I remind you often, that's more than wearing a WWJD bracelet and putting on a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. It is being separated to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is modeling ourselves after Him so that this world will see there's something different about that group of people. There's something different about them, and they are, they are much like Christ, and so they were called Christians first at Antioch. We see here, especially in, in verse number 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, who is they, Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul, were called out from among this church, and this church was faithful to send laborers out of themselves so that the gospel could be preached. Let me just go on record this morning as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'd rather pattern this church after the church at Antioch than any emerging church you want to trot in front of me. I'd rather pattern this church after the pages of Scripture than any contemporary church or the like. This is a church that was a great church, and there's some reasons outside of, including, but outside of, the fact that Paul and Barnabas were sent forth from them. Are you with me this morning? I know it's a little warm. You're going to have to pay attention on purpose. But aren't you glad there's something like this up here to help you pay attention this morning? That's the first response I've gotten out of some of you. They weren't all positive just then, but I'll take what I can give this morning. It was a great church. And this, let me remind you and I, it is not my responsibility to make sure that this is a great church. I'm to fulfill the responsibility of a shepherd, of a pastor, of an overseer. It's all of our responsibilities to take the Emmanuel Baptist Church to reach its potential. A pastor can only do so much. I can only give up and be obedient to the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, preach the Word of God, but we as a church must be faithful to do that which God has instructed us to do. And so this morning, I want us to see, with the time we have remaining, why the church of Antioch was a great church. I preached from this passage of Scripture at ordinations, the word we as a church send out from among us. Well, it's a wonderful testimony to this church that as we have church this morning, we have young men, we have men who literally are sprinkled all throughout the country uh, who will stand today and preach in pulpits who have been sent out of this church. We have missionary families today raising support so they can get to another part of the world so they can preach the gospel there. That is a mark of a great church. That is a mark of God doing something, but there's more to it than just that. There's more to it. There's some things behind that that makes that possible. Are you following me this morning? I hate to make you think on a Sunday morning. But there's some things that make that happen. That does not just happen because we wish it to happen. That does not just happen because it's a good idea 
for a church to send out laborers, for God to call them out. But there's some things that I want us to see in this passage of Scripture this morning that I know will be a help to us as we move forward as a church and we can see why the church of Antioch was a great church. Notice with me again in verse number 1, if you will. Now there were in the church that was at, at, at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And then there's also some names listed that we'll look at in just a moment. But the first reason this morning why the church of Antioch was a great church is because the church consisted of all types of people. This morning, I'm glad that God saves all kinds. I'm glad that it doesn't matter where you come from or necessarily what you've done. The blood of Jesus covers all sins. All men have a way to the Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad God saves all sinners. I'm glad that anybody who wants to put their faith and trust in what Jesus did on Calvary can be saved. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your creed. It doesn't matter how much money you do or don't have in the bank account. God loves everybody. I don't know if you got blessed this morning by that song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. I was ready to have church right then and there, but I didn't want to interrupt some of your naps out there. But uh, we need to be reminded that the church is to consist of all people, not only... Can anybody be saved? You know, anybody can be part of the church? Anybody can serve the Lord in the church. Anybody has the opportunity to be a part of the church of God. I love that first phrase. Now there were in the church. Then we see those that were in the church. Notice with me, if you will, we see right away there were certain prophets and teachers. There were those that God had given the, the gift and the opportunity to be prophets and teachers and those inside the church that had wisdom and had knowledge and had the instruction. As, as we're reminded of the book of Ephesians, God has given gifts to the church and some of those gifts are prophets and teachers. We see as Barnabas. Barnabas, no doubt, was a faithful servant of God. He was a preacher of the gospel and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene. This was a strong church because inside the church there were prophets and teachers. There wasn't just one person who was in the Word of God studying the Word of God. There were many people who were in the Word of God studying the Word of God. But notice this too. We find, uh, are you with me this morning? Uh, and Lucius of Cyrene and, and Manian, which have been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Herod, that ruler, this individual, had been brought up with him. He had the same education with him. They knew each other. They grew up together. And while you have one uh, who, who is, a, who is a, a secular ruler, you now have one who has the same education, he has a certain pedigree, pedigree, he comes from a certain group of people, he was educated, he had favor, he was saved by the grace of God, and now he's part of the church. This is an educated man. You with me? Notice what it says, and Saul. Who was Saul? Saul was the murderer. Saul was the Christian killer. Saul was the one who was one of the most vile individuals. His mission was to vex the church of God. His mission was to get in the way of God's Word and to kill all of those, arrest those 
who were dedicated to the cause of Christ. Here you have a man who has been educated with Herod, having church with, with, with a man who had killed Christians for a living, who had lived a vile life, and what a picture of the fact that in the church there are a lot of people who come from all different backgrounds, but they're the same because God has saved them, God has forgiven them of their sins, and when the Emmanuel Baptist Church ever gets to a place where a certain class of people are not welcome, a certain group of people are not welcome, or somebody didn't measure up to a certain thing and they're not welcome, in the church of God, everybody has an opportunity to grow as a Christian. Everybody has an opportunity to serve God. It's the makeup of the church. Sadly today, there are, there are churches that certain groups of people are not welcome. Certain classes of people are not welcome. Friend, this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God, do you realize it took the same thing for you to be saved that it took for somebody who might have come from a different background than you? It all took, it took Jesus for all of us. He is the only way to heaven. We see this was a great church because it consisted of all types of people. Anybody can get saved. I'm thankful for that. I hope that you are. We look a little deeper. We see here, and this is why I really want you to give me your attention this morning. Uh, we see that in verse number one, there was many. There were certain types of people that consisted of all types in the church. Number two, notice verse number two, and they ministered to the Lord. That is the second reason why this church at Antioch was a great church. They ministered unto the Lord. So, Pastor. F, of course, that's what the church is here. But, but, but I, 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 I see a lot of churches that they're not ministering to the Lord. They're ministering to themselves. And we've got to be very, very careful. And it might get a little uncomfortable here uh, for a few moments. Uh, we have some who will serve the Lord as long as it's in the capacity that they want to serve. This is not the spirit of the church of Antioch. Are you with me this morning? They were servants. You know what do us good to be reminded this morning? That you and I, we deserve to burn in hell for our sins, but we are saved through the grace of God, nothing that we deserve, and to get to do anything for God is a privilege. To get to serve in any capacity is a privilege. I was not here as part of the church of Antioch. There's a few I see out here that might have been there. I'm not sure. But I was not there in the church of Antioch. But let me tell you the picture I see. I see people who were saved by the grace of God, excited to be part of the work of God, and they worked and they worked and they worked and they had a servant's heart. Let me tell you, Christian, what you need right after salvation is a servant's heart. Heart, willing to do anything for the cause of Christ, willing to do anything for, for the work of God, just be a servant. Uh, we have many college students away still uh, at different Bible colleges, and many here uh, this, this morning and at home for the summer, and I'm glad of that. But you remember something. No matter how much education you get, Jesus said the servant is greatest of all. Don't come back to the mentality of, I'm only qualified to do this work, or I'm only qualified to do this work. For none of us are worthy to even speak the name of Jesus. None of us are worthy to even do anything for Him. What the church needs today are some servants. What the church needs today are some who are just willing to do anything for the cause of Christ. 
We need an attitude of what can I do for God? You know, we've got to be very, very careful. We're a busy church. We do, we, we, we're an active church. But you've got to be very, very careful that you don't do what you do in your ministry for you. I'm going to be honest. When I'm able to help somebody, it feels good. That's not, I better not, that better not be the motivation for me doing it. Because not everybody you try and help lets you help them. A lot of times, we get involved in the work of God for us. It makes me feel like I have value. Can, can I just help us as a church this morning? Your value is not what you do on Sunday for God, not what you do on Saturday for God. Listen very, very carefully to me. Your value is the fact that Jesus allowed Himself to be nailed to an old rugged cross, took upon Him your sins, shed His blood, suffered your death in hell so that you might never experience that. That is your value. Your value is the fact that God loved you enough to send His Son to pay for your sins. You can't put any more value on that. You can't put any more emphasis on that. That is the value. My value this morning is not standing behind this pulpit, opening this book, and preaching the Word of God. My value is in the fact that there's an Almighty God up there. In spite of my failures, in spite of my sin, He looked down and said, I'll send my son for you. A Christian, your value is not standing in front of a Sunday school class. It's not getting on a church bus. Your value, while it might make you feel good, your value is being able to look and pray to your Heavenly Father and say, Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. The fact this morning that we can walk into church doors and open the Word of God and hear from heaven. There is so much in that. Sometimes we work and it makes us feel good. But while you're doing it, you're doing it for Him or you're doing it for you? We need a servant's heart. Church of Annie. And by the way, some of you, hypothetically speaking, might be getting older. Aren't you glad you got a pastor that doesn't get older? But I'm out of breath. I'm getting older. Uh, all right. Hey, we, we don't need none of that over there. Timing is impeccable, I tell you. Aren't you? Are you getting older? You're not going to be able to do some of the things you used to be able to do. There's too many older Christians that are discouraged because you can't go like you used to go. Well, I love that so much. We'll be thankful you had an opportunity to do it. But your value is not in the hours you used to be able to put in. Your value is the fact that you're saved by the grace of God. And you get to do something. You get to be a part of the work of God. Study your Bible over and over. There's warnings about comparison. There's warning about comparing yourself to others. The reason is is what God expects you to do inside the church is different than what God expects me to do and we should just have a servant's heart. What can I do for God? You know, it's good for some of you just to be thankful that God lets you just be in the game. 
Well, that's the way I word it. If you'll, if you'll permit me that, I'm just glad I get to be in the game. I'm just glad I get to be a part of the work of God. I just get, I'm glad I get to be a part of something. It'd do a lot of you good to, 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 to just get involved and say, you know what? I'm going to do more than just come. I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. He said, well, well, when Pastor, when he comes to me and he gives me some responsibility or he, he allows me to serve in this capacity, let me tell you something. That's not a servant's heart. What God wants to see and what this pastor wants to see, it is an empty choir. Chair. I may not be able to sing a lick, but I'm going to fill that chair. There's something the restrooms that need to be clean. You know, I'm going to make sure those get clean. Nobody's going to see me do that. Nobody's going to pat me on the back for that. But I'm going to do something to be involved in the work of God. I believe that was the Church of Antioch. They ministered to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to serve today? And we ought to be doing our service. And yes, when we serve one another, we're serving Him. We know that. We understand that. But I don't want to ever get up here and preach a sermon to make me feel good. I want to do what it is that God has given me to do to help the cause of Christ. This is... This is why I'm not selfish with our young people. This is why I'm not selfish with our laborers. Because it's about His cause. It's not about my cause. It's about His work. It's not about my work. But friend, I do want to have a servant's heart. I do want to minister unto Him. It's not, it doesn't, it, there's some days when I, I will do the work of God that He wants me to do and I don't feel good about it. Kind of like the response I'm getting from this message this morning. I just don't feel good about it. We didn't have to question, why did I do it? Am I doing it for me? The truth about it is, I shouldn't even do it for you. I ought to do it for Him. We've got to be very, very careful that we don't get to a place where I do what I do for me and not for Him. They ministered to the Lord. We need too many... Let me make this statement and we'll move, move to the next point. There are too many serve for their own gratification and not for His glory. So for their own gratification and not for His glory. I want my life to put honor and glory on our Heavenly Father. I want this church... See, this. I have no desire for this church to win a popularity contest, although I'm not trying to be unpopular. But as long as God shines His favor down on us, I've already given you an example this morning of the favor of God as I gave you the, the, the update and the, as the miracles continue to happen and one of our fellow church members, Brother Jim, and how God has interceded. There's only one explanation for what I reported on this morning and that is the great physician, the hand of an almighty God has pushed aside all of the, the training, pushed aside all of the books, pushed aside all of the prognosis and said, I'm still in control and I'll still answer the prayers of my people. Friend, that is a greater thing than any title in the world is to know that the Heavenly Father shines down. That's a greater thing than, than feeling being popular in the community is knowing that you get, you can get a hold of, of a God who sits on His throne. Friend, that is what you and I need to be consumed with is ministering to Him so that He gets the honor and glory. Number three, I see here another reason Another observation by the church of Antioch was a great church. Notice with me again in verse number 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. 
They were willing to deny themselves. There's a lot of Christians who give lip service to warning God to do great things, but are not willing to deny themselves of anything. If we as a church are going to do all that we have set out to do, if we as a church are really going to do our part in reaching this city with the gospel, sending others around the world, supporting missionaries around the world, if we're really going to do our part, you know you're going to have to deny yourself of some things. They were willing to deny themselves. They fasted. They said, we are not going to eat. We are going to deny ourselves. We're going to inconvenience ourselves. Why is it that the Christian today thinks that God ought to just because we say we want it, God ought to just pour out His blessings and God ought to just do things for us and we shouldn't have to change anything in our life? Well, I want to know the answer of, 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 I want to know the, the, the thrill of the answer of prayer. Well, then you're going to have to change some things. Hey, Mom and Dad, you want your kids to turn out? You're probably going to have to deny yourself some things. Hey, you want your marriage to be blessed? You're probably going to have to deny yourself with some things. You want the power of God? We talk about the power of God today like it's something we can go down to Walmart and purchase in bulk. We talk about revival today that if we just we check enough boxes and, and, and we, 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 you know, we, you know I'm, I'm scrolling through my Amazon app and I know it's in here somewhere and I can order me up some revival just because we say we want to have revival, then that's not how it works. God's people are going to have to put take themselves off of the throne and put God back on the throne and be willing to deny themselves of some things. And yes, you may have to adjust your schedule if you're really going to have a part in doing something for God. You may have to adjust your budget if you're going to have a part in doing something for God. You're going to have to make some sacrifices if you're going to do something for God. Yeah, people might have to look at you a little funny because you decided there's some things in your life you're going to stay away from and you're just because you want to be dedicated unto God and you're not going to be one of those loophole Christians that's searching the Scriptures not to find out more about God but to, to, to justify the way you're living and not have to change anything. Friend, I don't have to have necessarily a chapter and verse for everything as long as the Holy Spirit of God says here's a way for you to be closer to, to your God. Here's a way for you to have more power in your life. That is what I want. And as a church, if we are going to be a church that is different, if we are going to be a church where God uses and blesses, we're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're going to have to deny ourselves. You know, Christian, you might go to the next level in your Christian life if you were willing to deny yourself some things. Make some adjustments. Uh, we, we can't have it both ways. They were willing to administer to the Lord and they fasted. I, I'm trying to help us this morning. It is more than even an invitation. You saying, God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to have in my life. What changes are you going to make? Pastor, I, just, I, want, I want to serve in this capacity. Pastor, I, I want to have victory in this in my life. Okay. Wonderful. What changes are you going to make? Well, I don't want to make any changes. Well, you can't have what God offers you. 
without making any changes. Friend, this morning, you, you, can do, you can do whatever it is that you feel that God has for you to do. You can live however, whatever way. You can, to be a member of this church, you just got to be saved and baptized and want to be part of the church. And, but I tell you, if you want any kind of blessings from God, you're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to deny yourself some things. If you want to be able to pray and have a prayer answered, you're going to have to remove some things out of your life so that you can get a hold of God. So that you can know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit uh, filling over it's like to have the Holy Spirit leading. You don't just get to live the way everybody else lives and have the blessings and power of God. If it was true, we'd have revival. If it was true, there'd be a difference. You at the church of Antioch, I see the difference in the church of Antioch. You find here, you study the context of Scripture, it was not just Paul and Barnabas fasting. You find the connotation is as people, they were used to fasting. They were used to denying themselves. They thought the government was going to kill them. Of course they were denying themselves. You continue reading, and it's the verse I preached out of some time ago, but they hazarded their lives for the cause of Christ. They didn't play it safe for Jesus. Tonight, Christian, or this morning, Christian, you might have to deny yourself. And as a church, you know, we're going to have to deny ourselves some things to continue to follow the Lord. Right. To have blessings, to have power. We find, fourthly, the, the last observation I make this morning is we find from the fact that in verse 2, the Holy Spirit... Now, let, let me back up before I get to verse number 4. We find in verse 2... They fasted, and then what happened? The Holy Ghost said, separate. And since I put the brakes on getting to number four, let me just, just add another observation. If you're going to hear from God in the leading... That's why sometimes I'll just... Everybody awake? Okay, this morning? I'm just going to go ahead and get it all out this morning. I have Christians who try and convince me, well, this is what God is doing, and I know this is the will of God for my life. And I'm sitting there thinking, the Holy Spirit isn't anywhere near your life. So, Pastor, the Bible says, judge not. Again, context of Scripture, please. You live in complete contrast with this book, and you want to tell me the Holy Spirit's leading you? That's not the way it works. And this is why we have more churches in our area than we've ever had. We've got more Bible colleges than we've ever had. But America is deader spiritually than she's ever been. It takes a little bit more than to put a building up, print some, some, some full-color brochures and say, we've got, we've got the presence of God. No, you've got to deny yourself some things. You've got to avoid the things of the world. Then the Holy Spirit starts moving. Then the Holy Spirit starts calling. Then the Holy Spirit starts working. That's the progression of how it works. Now, verse, uh, the last observation we see in verse number 4, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, how valuable do you think Paul and Barnabas were to that church? But the fourth observation I see this morning of why this was a great church is because they did have a worldview. They took very seriously Christ's last admonition 
to take the Gospel to the whole world. And here, after fast, after serving the Lord, after fasting, the Holy Ghost moves and says, separate. And by the way, Mom and Dad, I think it is an admirable thing, I think it is a good thing for you to want your son or daughter to serve the Lord in the ministry. Uh, I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, I, I, I pray for your sons to be called to preach. I can't call them. But I pray for God to raise up another generation of laborers. My Bible says it was the Holy Spirit that set them apart, though. You ought to provide a home for those children to grow up with in that God can call them. But you can't even call them. You can't even send them. The Holy Spirit of God has got to do it. The Holy Spirit of God has got to be the one. Then as a church, there's a worldview of a willingness to get the gospel to a lost and a dying world. Let me close with this observation. I think it's very applicable to our church at where we're at right now. We like to celebrate verse number 4. So they departed. They're going out to new ministry. I mentioned towards the beginning there are men, there's young couples, and there's families. Uh, I was thinking about it last night. I was just praying for many of them. I was thinking about this morning, and they'll stand and they'll try to help people today. They'll, they'll preach the gospel today that are out of our church. It is an exciting... I miss so many of them. Uh, but it's an exciting thing to think. And I, think, I hope, church, I hope you realize it's an exciting thing to think that there are representatives of this church everywhere. But you know, there is no verse 4 without verse number 1. The most important thing we do is not send out laborers. The most important thing we do is reach as many people as we can with the gospel and get as many people as we can into the church. See, it's not God's plan for us to hire labor to send overseas in the form of missionaries. It's God's plan for us to be missionaries right here at home. I thank God for every young couple that feels the call of God. And usually, and if you want to argue with me about how this works, that's fine. I'll come with the Bible. Usually I know it before they know it. That's the pattern you see in Scripture. And you see that and it excites me. But I'm afraid some of you are missing your call. Just permit me to be very pastoral this morning. Some of you are missing your call. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm not supposed to go somewhere. No, there is no verse 4 without verse number 1. And we need to just make sure that as Emmanuel Baptist Church, we're reaching everybody that we can reach with the Gospel. I think it would be a good thing if we got reminded that the number one thing we're supposed to be is a servant. The number one thing we're supposed to do, be is conscious of the souls of lost men. And friend, I, 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 I want... 
I want the untold millions in the continent of Africa to hear the gospel. I want the untold millions in, in, in Europe and Asia and all over the world. But friend, before we can send laborers all the way around the world, we've got to tell the untold souls in Jacksonville, Florida about a Savior who died on the cross for them. We've got to be a church that gets those into the, to the church so they can grow in the grace of God, become servants of His, so that there can be a verse 4, you must have a church that continues to win the lost, reach them with the gospel, and that is our goal and our mission. Find a great church here. There's a lot more to it than just the fact that Paul and Barnabas happened to be sent forth from there. It was a great church in the fact of those that were in the church. It was a great church. It was a great church in the fact that they had an attitude and spirit of ministering to the Lord. I just want to serve God. I just want to please Him. It was a great church because they were willing to deny themselves. They did have a worldview. But there is no verse 4 without a verse number 1. Say, Pastor, what's the point of all that? That is the point this morning that you and I, as a church, we've got to make sure the Emmanuel Baptist Church is a church that pleases the Lord. We've got to continue to pursue lost sinners. We've got to continue to be a church that preaches the gospel and tries to reach the lost. Perhaps this morning is a little bit different of a Sunday morning sermon. I don't know what the Holy Spirit, I don't know how the Lord has spoke to you this morning, but maybe this morning there are some Christians, there's some things in your life that you need to put aside so that you can do more for God. Maybe there's some things in your life you need to get settled. I'm just going to serve the Lord in whatever capacity. I'm going to do whatever I can for Him. And by the way, praying for your pastor is a good thing. I say it often. I don't think I say it often enough. Some of you think I say it too much probably. But it's a great, great ministry just to pray for your pastor. To have wisdom. Some of you need to stop praying that I have shorter messages. That prayer is never going to get answered. But you, 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 that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. The point is, everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. Everybody can have a part. But we need a revival of a servant's heart today. We need a revival of just trying to help people. Trying to reach people with the Gospel. Father, I pray this morning that You'll take this simple outline, You'll take these truths, and You'll use it to Your honor and glory. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. I wonder how many could say with an uplifted hand this morning, say, I'm 100% sure, Pastor, that if I die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I know without a doubt that I'm saved. I know without a doubt that my sins have been forgiven. I'm 100% sure I'm saved. If you just slip your hand up this morning by way of testimony all over the building, thank you, put your hands down. I wonder this morning if there might be one who would say, Pastor, I'm not certain I've got that settled. I have some doubt about my salvation, some doubt about my eternity. I wonder this morning if there might be one say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not embarrassed you. I'm not single you out. But Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm not for certain I'm on my way to heaven. If you just slip your hand up this morning, anyone at all. 
Before we stand on our feet in just a moment, I wonder, Christian, what is it the Lord spoke to you about? I think we need to be reminded that our value is the fact we're saved. Anything beyond that is a bonus that God lets us do for Him. But I wonder though if there was someone that God spoke to this morning that says, I know there's some things I need to set aside. I know there's more that I need to do. I think it would be a great thing for every member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church to resurrender and pray the prayer this morning, Lord, give me a servant's heart. Help me to serve as Christ would serve. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you about this morning, I invite you to do something about it. We stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. The piano begins to play.